Part two of Chapter seven of Stories of Animal Sagacity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Stories of Animal Sagacity by W. H. G. Kingston. Part two of Chapter seven Savage and Other Animals. The Polar Bear and Her Cubs The monarch of the Arctic regions, the monstrous white bear, reigned supreme. Savage and ferocious, as is his consort, as well as he, she shows the most utmost affection for her young. I have a sad tale to tell. The crew of an exploring vessel in the Arctic seas had killed a walrus and set fire to part of the blubber. The steam of the flesh drew from afar towards it a she-bear and her two cubs. Putting their noses to the tempting mess, they began to eat it eagerly. The seamen, seeing this, threw other pieces on the ice nearer to the ship. The bear incautiously approached, carrying off the pieces, which she bestowed on her cubs, and though evidently famished, taking but a small portion herself. The thoughtless sailors shot the two cubs, and again firing, wounded the mother. Though she herself was barely able to crawl to the spot where they lay, she carried to them the last lump of blubber, endeavoring to make them eat it. Discovering they were unable to do so, she endeavored to raise first one and then the other, but in vain. She now began to retreat but her motherly feelings overcoming her though conscious of the danger she was running she returned to where they lay moaning mournfully several times did she thus behave when seemingly convinced that her young ones were cold and helpless she cast a reproachful glance towards the vessel whence the cruel bullets had proceeded and uttered a low growl of angry despair which might have moved the hearts of even the most callous a shower of musket bullets however laid her low between her two cubs and she died licking their wounds you cry shame on the rough sailors for their cruelty yes they acted cruelly because they were thoughtless of the feelings of the poor bear ask yourself dear young friend if you are ever thoughtless of the feelings of those who merit your tenderest love if you are cry shame on yourself and endeavor in future to regard them first of all things end of the polar bear and her cubs the honey seeker and the bear the Indian believes the bear to be possessed not only of a wonderful amount of sagacity, but of feelings akin to those of human beings. Though most species are savage when irritated, some of them occasionally exhibit good humor and kindness. A story is told of a man in Russia who, on an expedition in search of honey, climbed into a high tree. The trunk was hollow, and he discovered a large cone within. He was descending to obtain it when he stuck fast. Unable to extricate himself and too far from home to make his voice heard, he remained in that uncomfortable position for two days, sustaining his life by eating the honey. He had become silent from despair when, looking up, 
what was his horror to see a huge bear above him tempted by the same object which had led him into his dangerous predicament and about to descend into the interior of the tree bears very wisely when getting into hollows of rocks or trees go tail in first that they may be in a position to move out again when necessary no sooner in spite of his dismay did the tail of the bear reach him than the man caught hold of it the animal astonished at finding some big creature below him when he only expected to meet with a family of bees against whose stings his thick hide was impervious quickly scrambled out again dragging up the man who probably shouted right lustily be that as it may the bear waddled off at a quick rate and the honey-seeker made his way homeward to relate his adventure and relieve the anxiety of his family. End of The Honey-Seeker and the Bear The Good-Natured Bear and the Children The brown bear, which lives in Siberia, may be considered among the most good-natured of his tribe. Mr. Atkinson, who traveled in that country, tells us that some peasants, a father and a mother had one day lost two of their children between four and six years of age it was soon evident that their young ones had wandered away to a distance from their home and as soon as this discovery was made they set off in search of them having proceeded some way through the wilds they caught sight in the distance of a large animal which as they got nearer they discovered to be a brown bear and what was their horror to see within its clutches their lost young ones their sensations of dismay were exchanged for astonishment when they saw the children running about laughing round the bear sometimes taking it by the paws and sometimes pulling it by the tail the monster evidently amused with their behavior treated them in the most affectionate manner one of the children now produced some fruit with which it fed its shaggy playfellow while the other climbed up on its back and sat there fearlessly urging its strange steed to move on the parents gave way to cries of terror at seeing the apparent danger to which their offspring were exposed the little boy however having slipped off the bear's back the animal hearing the sound of their voices left the children and retreated quietly into the forest end of the good-natured bear and the children the wise hare and her pursuers i will now tell you a story of a very different animal the timid little hare which has to depend for safety not like the bear on strength but on speed and cunning a poor little hare was one day closely pursued by a brace of greyhounds when seeing a gate near she ran for it the bars were too close to allow the hounds to get through so they had to leap over the gate as they did so the hare perceiving that they would be upon her the next instant turned around and ran again under the gate where she had just before passed the impetus of the hounds had sent them a considerable distance and they had to now wheel about and leap once more over the upper bar of the gate again she doubled and returned by the way she had come and thus going backwards and forwards the dogs followed till they were fairly tired out while the little hare watching her opportunity 
happily made her escape. You may learn a lesson, even from this little hare. Never yield to difficulties. Persevere, and you will surmount them at last. End of the wise hare and her pursuers. The Cunning Wolf Two hundred years ago, there were wolves in Ireland, and it appears that they were as cunning as the foxes of the present day. A man, traveling as was the custom in those times on horseback, with a sword by his side, was passing between two towns, some three miles from each other, when he was attacked by a wolf. He drove him off with his sword, but again and again the animal assaulted him. He had nearly reached the town to which he was going when he met a friend, who was unarmed, whom he told of the danger he had encountered, and, as he believed himself now safe from attack, he gave him the sword for his defense. The wolf had been watching this proceeding, evidently intent on attacking the person who was traveling without a sword. When he saw that the first he had attacked was now defenseless, he made after him at full speed, and overtaking him before he got into the town, leaped upon him, unarmed as he now was, and deprived him of life. When striving for an object, continue your efforts and be cautious, as at the first, till you have gained it. End of the Cunning Wolf The Tiger and the Perea Dog I have told you of a friendship formed between a tiger and a dog. I will now narrate another tale, which speaks well for the good feeling of both animals. In India, it is the cruel custom, when a wandering dog is found, to throw it into a tiger's cage for the purpose of getting rid of it. It happened that one of these pariah dogs was thrust into the den of the savage beast. The dog, however, instead of giving himself up for lost, stood on the defensive in the corner of the cage, and whenever the tiger approached, seized him by the lip or neck, making him roar piteously. The tiger, savage for want of food, continued to renew the attack, with the same result, till at length the larger animal began to show a respect for the courage of the smaller one, and an understanding was finally arrived at between them. At last, a mess of rice and milk was put into the cage of the tiger, when he invited the dog to partake of it, and instead of treacherously springing on him, as some human beings would have done on their foe, allowed him to feed in quiet. From that day, the animals not only became reconciled, but a strong attachment sprang up between them. The dog used to run in and out of the cage, looking upon it as his home, and when the tiger died, he long mourned the loss of his friend and former antagonist. Observe how that poor outcast dog, by his courage and perseverance, preserved his life, and indeed gained a victory, in spite of the fierce assaults of his savage foe. Will you act less courageously when attacked by the ridicule, the abuse, or the persuasions of those who may try to drag you from the path of duty? End of the Tiger and the Perea Dog The Doe, Chamis, and Her Young An agile inhabitant of the lofty Alps, the graceful Chamis, shows the greatest affection for her young. 
a swiss hunter while pursuing his dangerous sport observed a mother chamois and her two kids on a rock above him they were sporting by her side leaping here and there around her while she watched their gambols she was ever on the alert lest an enemy should approach the hunter climbing the rock drew near intending if possible to capture one of the kids alive no sooner did the mother chamois observe him than dashing at him furiously she endeavored to hurl him with her horns down the cliff the hunter knowing he might kill her at any moment drove her off fearing to fire lest the young ones should take to flight he was aware that a deep chasm existed between them by which he believed the escape of the animals to be cut off what was his surprise therefore when he saw the old chamois approach the chasm and stretching out her fore and hind legs thus form with her body a bridge across it as soon as she had done this she called on her young ones and they sprang one at a time on her back and reached the other side in safety by a violent effort she sprang across after them and soon conducted her charges beyond the reach of the hunter's bullets trust your mother she in most cases will find means to help you out of trouble the captured wolf i have very little to say in favor of wolves they are generally as cowardly in their adversity as they are savage when at liberty i give you the following story however which i believe to be true an english sportsman had been hunting during the winter in hungary he was returning in a sleigh one evening to the village where he was to remain for the night the peasant owning the sleigh sitting behind and a boy driving as they passed on the corner of a wood a wolf was seen to rush out and give chase the peasant shouted to the boy a wolf a wolf drive on drive on obeying the order with a whip and shout the boy urged the horses to full speed one glance round showed him the savage animal close behind the wolf was gaining upon them fast the village was scarcely two hundred yards off the owner however saw that the wolf would be upon them before they could reach it frantically they shouted pursuing their impetuous career taking another glance behind him the peasant saw the fierce panting beast about to make his fatal spring a thought struck him seizing the thick sheepskin which covered the sleigh he threw it over his head scarcely had he done so when the wolf sprang upon his back and gripped hold of the skin in an instant more it would have been torn from him when raising both his hands he grasped the wolf's head and neck with all his strength hugging him with an iron clutch to his shoulders on on he shouted to the almost paralyzed driver the courageous fellow still holding his fierce assailant in a death grip the sleigh swept into the village the inhabitants hearing the shouts rushed forth from their huts and seeing the perilous condition of their friends gave chase with axes in their hands no sooner had the boy slackened with the speed of his horse than the men rushed at the savage animal still held captive and quickly dispatched it not without difficulty however could the brave peasant after the exertion he had undergone loosen his arms 
from the neck of the wolf the tame otter the otter although not so expert an architect as the beaver appears to possess more sagacity a fine one caught in scotland became so tame that whenever it was alarmed it would spring for protection into the arms of its master it had also been taught to fish for his benefit and so dexterous was it at this sport that it would catch several fine salmon during the day in a stream near his house it could fish as well in salt water as in fresh bravely it would buffet the waves of the ocean and swim off in chase of codfish of which it would in a short time catch large numbers when fatigued by its exertions nothing would induce it to re-enter the water on such occasions it received part of the produce of the sport for its own share and after having satisfied itself it would fall asleep and was generally in that condition carried home to resume its labors on another day though you may be very young and small you may if you try help those much older and bigger than yourself end of the tame otter the otter and her young ones i have another story about an otter which lived in the zoological gardens in london the otter pond surrounded by a wall was on one occasion only half full of water when the otter for whose use it was intended had a pair of young ones they happening to fall into the water were unable to climb up its steep sides the mother afraid that they would be drowned endeavored in vain by stooping over the wall to drag them out at last she jumped in and after playing with them for a short time was seen to put her head to the ear of one of the little creatures this was to tell her child what she wanted it to do directly after she sprang out of the pond while her young one caught hold of the fur at the root of her tail and while it clung tightly to her she dragged it out and placed it safely on the dry ground she then again plunged in and in the same way dragged out her other young one i am very sure that your parents will help you out of any difficulty into which you may fall but then you must do as they tell you thus following the example of the young otters end of the otter and her young ones the wise beaver you have often heard of the wonderful way in which beavers in america construct their habitations and dams they seem however in these operations to be influenced by instinct rather than by reason i will tell you of a beaver which lived in captivity in france to supply him with nourishment all sorts of things fruits vegetables and small branches of trees were thrown to him his keepers knowing that he came from a cold climate bestowed little care however in keeping him warm winter coming on one night large flakes of snow were driven by the wind into a corner of his cage the poor beaver who in his own country forms a remarkably warm house for himself almost perished with the cold if man would not help him he must try and help himself to build a cell which would shelter him from the icy blast the materials at his disposal were the branches of trees given him to gnaw these he interwove between the bars of his cage filling up the interstices with the carrots and apples which had been thrown in for his food 
Besides this, he plastered the hole with snow, which froze during the night, and the next morning it was found that he had built a wall of considerable height, which perfectly answered his purpose. Make the best of the means at your disposal, as well as the talents you possess. End of the Wise Beaver The Rat and the Swan Rats, in their ferocity, partake of the character of the wolf, and, in their cunning, of that of the fox. A great flood occurred some years ago in the north of England, and, as a number of people were collected on the banks of the Tain, whose waters had risen to an unusual height, a swan was seen swimming across the flood. On its back was a black spot, visible among its white plumage. As the swan came nearer, this was found to be a live rat. No sooner had the swan, after bravely breasting the foaming torrent, reached the shore, than the rat leaped off and scampered away. Probably it had been carried into the water, and, unable to swim to land, on seeing the swan had sought refuge on its back, thus escaping a watery grave. As the swan did, help those incapable of helping themselves, though you dislike their appearance and character. They may not have had the advantages you possess. End of the Rat and the Swan The Rats and the Wine Cask An old lady, wealthy and hospitable, lived in a large house, with several servants to attend on her. Although no terrific murder or other dark deed was ever known to have been perpetuated in the house, report said it was haunted. Undoubtedly, noises were heard in the lower part of the mansion. Night after night, unearthly sounds arose after the domestics had retired to their chambers. At last, the old lady, determined to resist this invasion of her domestic peace, told her servants to arm themselves with such weapons as they could obtain, she herself sitting up with a brace of loaded pistols before her. This proceeding had the desired effect. The ghostly visitants, if such they were, ceased from their nocturnal revels. All remained silent till cock crow. Night after night, the brave old dame heroically watched, but no ghosts came. To celebrate her victory, she invited a number of guests, and determined to broach a cask of long-hoarded Madeira. With keys in hand, attended by the butler, she entered the cellar. The spill was pulled out from the cask, the cock duly inserted, but no wine came. The butler tapped. A hollow sound was the return. On applying a light, teeth marks were visible at the very lowest part of the staves. By rats alone could such marks have been made. What a band of thirsty topers must have been employed by the nefarious burglary. No doubt it was the rats, inebriated by such unusual potations, which had caused the mysterious uproar. Be that as it may, the lady lost her wine, and the cask was placed in the museum of Mr. Buckland, who tells the tale, and there it stands to corroborate its truth. It is said that rats will insert their tails into oil flasks, and allow each other in turn to suck off the liquid thus obtained. End of the Rats and the Wine Cask The Mouse and the Honey Pot Mice, I suspect, 
are fully as sagacious as rats. Perhaps they are more so. In their foraging expeditions, what cleverness do they exhibit? When one or two have been caught in a trap, how careful are the rest of the community not to be tempted by the treacherous bait? A honey pot had been left in a closet, from the wall of which some of the loose plaster had fallen down. In the morning, the honey being wanted, the pot was found with a considerable portion abstracted. Outside of it was a heap of mortar reaching to the edge, forming an inclined plane, while inside a similar structure had been raised with the loose plaster. From the marks on the shelf, it was clearly the work of a mouse, which had thus, by means of a well-designed structure, obtained entrance and exit. If a little mouse, to gain its object, which you deem a wrong one, can employ so much intelligence, how much more should you exert your superior faculties to attain a right object? End of the Mouse and the Honey Pot The Ewe Which Returned to Her Old Home I have told you of dogs making their way from one end of the country to the other in search of their masters, and of horses traversing wide districts to the pastures where they were bred, but you would scarcely expect to hear of a sheep performing a long journey to return to the home of her youth. A ewe, bred in the neighborhood of Edinburgh, was driven to Perthshire, a distance upwards of one hundred miles. She remained some time at the place and there became the mother of a lamb. She took a dislike to her new home, and thoughts of her early days stealing upon her, she came to the resolution of returning to the scenes of her youth. Calling her lamb, she one night set off southward. Often she was compelled to hurry on her young one with impatient bleedings. She took the high road, along which she had been driven. Reaching Stirling early in the morning, she discovered that an annual fair was taking place, and that the town was full of people. Unwilling to venture among them for fear of being caught or losing her lamb, she waited patiently outside till the evening, lying close by the roadside. Many people saw her, but believing her owner was near, did not molest her. During the early hours of the morning, she got safely through, observed by several people, and evidently afraid, lest the dogs prowling about the town might injure her young one. Arriving at length at the toll bar of St. Ninian's, she was stopped by the toll-keeper, who supposed her to be a stray sheep. She escaped him, however, and several times when the gate was open, endeavored, with the lamb at her heels, to make her way through he each time drove her back. She at length turned round and appeared to be going the way she came. She had, however, not abandoned her intention, for she either discovered a more circuitous road to the south side of the gate, or made her way through, for on a Sabbath morning early in June she arrived at the farm where she had been bred, having been nine days on her journey. So delighted was her former owner with this exhibition of affection for the farm, and with her wonderful memory, that he offered her purchaser the price he had received, and to the day of her death, when she had reached the mature age, for a sheep of seventeen years, she remained a constant resident on her native farm. End of the ewe which returned to her old home. The Ewe and Her Lamb 
There is another story about a ewe which I should like to tell you, and which shows the affection she had for her young. A lamb, frisking about near its mother, contrived to spring into a thick hedge, in which its coat was so firmly held that it could not escape. The ewe, after vainly trying to rescue her young one, ran off with violent bleedings toward a neighboring field, breaking in her way through several hedges to where there was a ram, and communicated to him the disaster. He at once returned with her, and by means of his horns, quickly pushed the young creature out of the thorny entanglement in which it had been entrapped. End of the ewe and her lamb. The Two Wise Goats on the crumbling walls of the romantic ruins of Carnarvon Castle, some years ago, two agile goats were seen, now leaping over a rugged gap, now climbing some lofty pinnacle, now browsing on the herbage overhanging the perilous paths. Presently, they approached each other from opposite ends of one of the narrow intersecting walls. When they met, finding that there was no room to pass, they surveyed each other face to face for some minutes in perfect stillness. Each had barely standing ground for his own feet. However, they tossed their heads with menacing looks, often making slight feints of butting or pushing forward, but they took care not to come into actual contact, knowing well that the slightest force might precipitate one or both from their perilous position neither could they attempt to walk backward or turn round on so narrow a spot. Thus they again stood quite still for above an hour, occasionally uttering low sounds, but neither of them moving. At length they appeared to have settled the difficult point as to which of the two should give way. The one which appeared the youngest lay quietly down, while the other walked calmly over him and pursued his path contentedly. Their example might well be followed by human beings in many of the affairs of life, where a contest must prove destructive to both. Many a bloody war might be averted, did nations imitate the example of these two animals. Not, however, by bowing the neck to the yoke of a conqueror, but by amicably settling differences. How many lawsuits might also be avoided by the same means? and you my young friends understand that there is far more true magnanimity and courage exhibited in giving way to others than in battling for doubtful rights and privileges end of the two wise goats the affectionate seal if you have ever examined the head of a seal with its large gentle eyes you will readily believe that the animal possesses a certain amount of intellect and is capable of very affectionate feelings. The story I am about to tell you is a very sad one. Perhaps you will recollect the seal in the zoological gardens which used to come out of its pond at the call of the French sailor to whom it belonged, and, climbing up while he sat on a chair, put its fins round his neck and gave him a kiss. How it immediately obeyed him when he told it to go back to the water and how adroitly it used to catch the fish which he threw to it. I remember also hearing of a seal in Shetland which would return with its prey in its mouth on being summoned by the owner. But the seal I'm going to tell you about belonged to a gentleman in the west of Ireland near the sea. This seal was so tame and so attached to its master that it would follow him about like a dog, 
and seemed much pleased whenever allowed to lick his hand people in that part of the country are sadly ignorant and superstitious two bad harvests having succeeded each other the foolish inhabitants took it in their heads that the disaster was caused by the innocent seal so many were the complaints they made some people even threatening the owner that fearing the life of his favorite would be endangered he was obliged to consent it being sent away having been put on board a boat it was taken to some distance and then thrown into the sea very shortly afterwards however it found its way back to its beloved master still anxious to preserve the animal's life he consented to its again being carried away to a greater distance but once more it returned this made the ignorant people more certain than ever that the poor seal was some evil being again it was put on board a boat the crew of which rowed to a much greater distance than before determining that the poor seal should trouble them no more though following the injunctions of their master not to kill it they cruelly put out its eyes then then threw it overboard to perish in the wide ocean as they believed some time passed when one stormy night the gentleman heard above the moaning sounds of the gale the plaintive cry of his favorite close to his house he went to the door and opening it there lay the body of the affectionate animal quite dead though deprived of its sight it had found its way back to the shore on which its master's house stood and exerting all its strength had crawled up to the door thus exhibiting an amount of affection for its human friend such as can scarcely exist in a greater degree in the breast of any animal end of the affectionate seal end of part two of chapter seven of stories of animal sagacity